back, ladies and gentlemen. The Voo, your voice of one. We're back. We were down, but not out. Lost, but now we're found. The voice of one. <laughs> Good to have you guys back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Voo 85, finally. Now, this one for Thursday, May 18, year of our Lord, 2021. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. At the end of last week, no VU because just got crazy at the end of last week. Just could not get it done. But it's okay. I was loaded for bear on Monday, ready to go with a blockbuster VU. And then here in the Indianapolis area, big ice storm, sleet, ice, icicles hanging down from the trees and the road signs and power lines. There's the key. And then the power went off. The power went off in my house and then came back on and then went off and blinked and does the blink and blink and did all that and finally got itself back on. So I just waited, waited for the modem to auto reboot and recycle, do its thing, come back on. Nothing, nothing. So I went over to my modem. I spoke to it and gently did nothing, harshly did nothing. So uh, finally... <laughs> The modem whisperer. All right, so, no, I did all the reboot stuff. I did the reboot stuff you're supposed to do. So I did all that, nothing. So then I called the vendor and got the robot. I got the robot. Uh, yep, the robot answered the phone and walked me through all the things that I had already done. So <laughs> I dutifully went through them again. So did all that. Then the robot said that the robot would... Uh, indicate on my file that we had gone through these steps, and if I didn't get any resolution within the next 10 minutes, if nothing resolved in the next 10 minutes, I could call back, and it would show on the record that we'd already gone through these steps. So in 10 minutes and one second, I called back, and at that point, it got me to uh, a, a human being, a human being. Now, uh, I could not discern her name, <laughs> but, 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 she, but she seemed like a very nice person and, uh, and was uh, helpful. I could, uh, you know, I could understand her conversation okay. I just couldn't quite catch her name. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm the guy who reads Bible names, you know, out loud. But anyway, I couldn't catch her name. Anyway. So, uh, but she walked me through and then uh, nothing. So then she does the remote, uh, whatever they do, where they're able to like run the analysis on the line or whatever it is to try to figure out if it's somewhere out there in the community or uh, here personally. Well, I was hoping that some line had fallen or something. It was like, okay, we got a problem in your area. It'll be fixed by 11 p.m. or whatever. No. Nope, it was my modem, my modem fried, ladies and gentlemen, fried like an egg, fried like an egg. And so they said they would send me a new one, and it got here yesterday, got it all set up last night, and did the whole time to refigure, reconfigure itself, and we're up and running today, uh, And but I'm telling you, <laughs> it's a struggle. We're having like this massive rain and huge winds, sustained winds of of 20 miles an hour gust to 40 uh a shutter like the shutter decoration type things are just flying off uh the 
<laughs> the facades of my house, I think, or my neighbor's house or somebody that just came by the window. Anyway, uh, power went off, came back on, but the modem was not fried. It came back on. So here we are. Here we are back, back uh, with VU85. So <laughs> it's, good, it's good to have you, have you back. Hey, I want to start with some good news, good news, and then we'll have three segments today, three segments today. Uh, here's some good news from the land of Israel, the Holy Land. Uh, I bring you this story from Yahoo News, from uh, Yahoo News. And uh, this is about an exciting discovery, and that is the discovery of a new finding of Dead Sea Scrolls. All right. So here is uh, the headline. It's actually from the AP. It's being reported on not, uh, Yahoo News. Here's the headline, Israeli experts announced discovery of more Dead Sea Scrolls. And so it says, uh, uh, this is from uh, Ilan ben Zion, seems like a good, uh, good Hebrew name, uh, from Tuesday, March 16, it says, uh, Israeli archaeologists on Tuesday announced the discovery of dozens of Dead Sea Scroll fragments bearing a biblical text found in a desert cave, and believed hidden during the Jewish revolt against Rome nearly 1,900 years ago. The fragments of parchment bear lines of Greek text from the books of Zechariah and Nahum and have been dated around the first century based upon the writing style, according to the Israel Antiquities Authority. They are the first new scrolls to be found in archaeological excavations in the desert south of Jerusalem in 60 years. Now, uh, these were not found uh, in the area where the previous, back in the 50s, like in the Engedi area. Some of you have traveled with me there, or you've been there uh, with some other tour to Israel, and you go to Engedi uh, on the, uh, near the Dead Sea, and you see where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. This was in a different area. Uh, but still near the Dead Sea. So um, what's happening is the Israeli uh, Antiquities uh, Authority, they have been undergoing a, really a four-year uh, effort to try to get to these caves, go into these caves, and, and do excavation, because more and more uh, there are people who are, are like treasure hunters or robbers or whatever it is that are trying to get to these caves, and steal whatever's in them. So the Israeli Antiquities Authority is trying to be ahead of all that and make sure that treasures uh, from antiquity are not somehow disturbed or stolen by um, these cave robbers. Well, so anyway, as, a, as part of this process, they go into this particular cave, which had previously been discovered, and there had been some excavation there in this particular cave, but now they find... Uh, uh, this incredibly well-preserved, by the way, wicker basket. And then in addition to that, these scrolls. Now, what's interesting is that they are in Greek, in Greek. Now, remember, your New Testament was written in Greek. And remember, they're saying that they think this was, uh, these date back to maybe 100, you know, 100 AD, uh, maybe, you know, 150 AD, something like that. So if that's the case then it's very interesting because it means that whoever these people were who appeared to be Jewish, 
uh, and, and caught up into this revolt, and now they're running to the Judean desert. They're trying to ho- uh, hold out, basically, in the caves or whatever it is, that as they took their scripture with them, it wasn't a Hebrew scripture. So either these are folks who didn't grow up in Israel, or, you know, some people say that not everybody in Israel uh, could could read Hebrew, but, but uh, the people could speak and read Hebrew. Greek, that's why your New Testament was written in Greek. But anyway, this Old Testament text had been translated into Greek. So they find these passages. Pretty interesting stuff. Now here's what I think is uh, interesting and perhaps prophetic, because we have to say that the Lord is sovereign over all, including timing. So here we are, 60 years after the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, originally, and now for the first time since all that time, we find or they find these new fragments. And of all things, they can identify, even though they're just brief little fragments, they can identify the exact scripture verses that are on these uh, fragments. One of which is this, Zechariah 8, 16 and 17. Now, let me read this to you and just see if this might not be just God's timing that somehow this is discovered uh, in 2021. Zechariah 8, 16, 17. These are the things you are to do. Speak the truth to each other and render true and sound judgment in your courts. Do not plot evil against each other. Do not love to swear falsely. I hate all this, declares the Lord. Zechariah 8, 16 and 17. I find that very interesting, right? <laughs> that we're, we, need, uh, we need some true and sound judgment in the courts. Uh, and we need, we need some truth uh, here. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, anyway, so uh, <laughs> that'll bring me to some stories a little bit later. All right, folks, uh, very interesting stuff out of Israel. And, uh, but today I want to do uh, three segments uh, today, and they are left logic, shocking retraction, and alarming recall. All right, so I'll be right back, and then we'll go to those three segments. Welcome back. Segment number one, left logic. The logic of the left. Now, in 2015, the United States Supreme Court made a disastrous decision redefining marriage. And on the following Sunday after that decision, which was July 5th, 2015, that Sunday... Uh, I preached a sermon called God Bless America in which I addressed this disastrous decision by the Supreme Court. And in that sermon, uh, I made these comments. I'm going to read three uh, paragraphs from that sermon from July 5th, 2015. It's going to set up what we're going to talk about uh, here. I said in that sermon, marriage of a man and a woman is the foundational building block of a stable, healthy, productive society. It provides a place of love, security, 
of producing and nurturing the next generation of citizens. This view has been held across all generations and all civilizations from the beginning of time until now. It has been held in the Jewish nation, Christian nations, Muslim nations, atheistic communist nations, Hindu and Buddhist nations. The United States Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage is bad for our society as it blurs the worldwide history-long definition of marriage, and note this, and will set off far-reaching, unintended consequences we have yet to contemplate. That's what I said in 2015. Now, uh, here's my first uh, left logic uh, topic, and that is three men and a baby. Now, you might remember that in 1987, there was a comedy called Three Men and a Baby. Tom Selleck and some other guys were in this, and it's about three bachelors. There's a comedy. Uh, they, you know, anyway, <laughs> these guys don't know what they're doing, and they've got this baby. 1987, 1987, 33 years ago, 33 years ago, things have changed. All right, so I mentioned the fact uh, in my sermon that uh, things are going to, look, look, if you can, here's the logic, if, if you, if it's not, if it's not a man and a woman, uh, what's to say it's, what's to say it's two men? Why not a man and two women? Why not three women? Why not two men and a dog and a woman and a cat? Why not? Right? In other words, once you begin, I mean, once, once you break this basic logic of a man and a woman, you have really just opened up to, once you begin to apply this logic, it's, uh, so anyway, here's where we are. I bring you this story from CNN. It was covered in many outlets, but this is from CNN. Uh, this was a few weeks ago, back on March 6th. Uh, and, the, and the headline is, Three Dads, a Baby, and the Legal Battle to Get Their Names Added to a Birth Certificate. Uh, and the story is by Faith uh, Karimi of CNN. Now, uh, she writes this in the first couple paragraphs. She says, meet Ian Jenkins and his partners, Alan and Jeremy. They're a thruple, T-H-R-O-U-P-L-E, like couple, only thruple, because there's three of them. Listen to this definition. They're a thruple, a committed polyamorous relationship involving three people. All right? Now... It's got their photo of uh, the three of them, these three gay men who've been with each other for eight years, and the baby that they've adopt adopted. And then the story goes into some of the legal battle that they had to get three names uh, on, onto, the, onto the birth certificate. So, uh, and... Of course, they live in California, of course, and so, of course, they found a judge who somehow figured out a way to put three names. Even she, admit, she admitted 
in the in the story. She admitted that uh, she was going to have to find a way to use existing law for three people uh, to be on this. By the way, when I say that they adopted a baby, um, they they didn't like go to an adoption agency and adopt a baby. They decided to have a baby. Uh, they found. Uh, I don't know. So anyway. Uh, they, 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 they basically shepherded this whole process of uh, someone, uh, someone having this baby and uh, the whole, I mean, the whole thing is unbelievable. Anyway, uh, you can read the article. Now, here's my point, is the fact that you have this, quote, polyamorous relationship, three men, right? Now, it doesn't say they're married, but I've got to believe they have some contractual, the whole point of their legal battle to get three names is that they all want parental rights, right? So at any rate, the point is, is that the 2015 Supreme Court decision, when you apply the logic of it, it becomes unlimited as to what can, can be a, a marriage. And in fact, what your kids, grandkids, are being taught in school are they'll, they'll literally be taught, so they'll actually be shown this, for example, and be taught and just talk about how, look, you know, families come in a lot of different forms and a lot of different ways and all of this. And trust me, it's going to go, it's just going to get crazier and crazier as it goes because they kind of broke the mold. And once you break the mold, it, you, you, wherever you want to go, you can go wherever you want to go. Now, that brings me to another point of left logic. And I bring you this story from the Christian Post. And this was, it doesn't seem to have a date, but uh, this is by Michael Grybowski. And the head, no, it's March 18th, uh, March 18th uh, today. Uh, So here's the the headline. Al Mohler, he's the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Al Mohler denounces Canada's plan to expand physician-assisted suicide to people with disabilities. So here's what it says. Southern Baptist Theological Seminary President Al Mohler Jr. has announced legislation has denounced legislation in Canada to expand assisted suicide to include those with disabilities. Canada legalized physician-assisted suicide, which has been termed medical aid in dying in 2016 a parliament the parliament recently advanced a measure known as bill c7 to expand the parameters to include individuals who have a disability but are not facing terminal illness in an episode of Mueller's podcast the briefing posted online tuesday the southern baptist leader said the legislation showed the slippery slope nature of legalized physician-assisted suicide. Quote, The Canadian Parliament have now extended the logic that they had insisted would be limited to those who had a reasonable expectation of death in a short time. You've seen that promise is never kept. Once you buy into the logic of physician-assisted suicide or euthanasia, you find yourself almost in every case just extending the logic further and further, 
end quote. Moeller went on to stress that, quote, when you open the door of physician-assisted suicide or any form of euthanasia, you're responsible for everything that passes through that door, end quote. And he goes on to cite Belgium and the Netherlands, uh, for example. And then he quote, here's another quote, says the logic that began with physician-assisted suicide or euthanasia for those who weren't, who were terminally ill was extended to adults who were terminally ill, and then it was extended to adults who weren't terminally ill but had a diagnosis that they didn't want to deal with. Then it was extended to those who had a form of depression or some kind of psychiatric diagnosis, and then it was extended to children, and then it was extended beyond uh, adolescence to younger children what you're looking, we're looking at here is that in Canada, it's now been extended to the disabled. All right. So uh, it's left logic, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's the logic of the left applied to its logical extent. Now, that brings me to this very sad but predictable news. This is from the Foundation for Economic Education website. And the, the headline is, Child Suicide is Becoming an International Epidemic Amid restrict, Restricted Pandemic Life, Doctors Warn. The damage we're inflicting on children is too devastating to be waved away in the name of public health. It's quickly becoming an emergency in its own right. This is Tuesday, March 16th, according to Brad Palumbo, writing in uh, the FEE. He writes, Billions of people across the globe continue to live under COVID-19 lockdowns or heavily restricted life. For almost all of us, life amid the pandemic in 2020 was an isolating and difficult year. Yet doctors are warning that children in particular are experiencing grave mental health consequences as a result of the lockdowns. Yes, we could have told you and did tell you that leading to an international epidemic of child suicide. The, the Associated Press interviewed Dr. David Greenhorn on the subject, who works in the emergency department at England's Bradford Royal Infirmary. The number of mental health crises he sees, uh, he has seen, such as suicide attempts, has gone from a couple per week pre-pandemic to now several a day. Quote, this is an international epidemic and we're not recognizing it, Greenhorn said. Quote, in an eight-year-old's life, a year is a really, really, really long time. They are fed up. They can't see the end to it. End quote. Dr. Richard Delorme heads the psychiatric department of one of the largest children's hospitals in France, and he offered similar warning to the AP. He pointed out uh, that it is clearly COVID restrictions and lockdowns taking its toll on children that end up in the hospital. He said, quote, what they're telling you is about uh, is a chaotic is about a chaotic world. They say things like, yes, I'm not doing my activities anymore. I'm no longer doing my music. Going to school is hard in the mornings. I'm having difficulty waking up. I'm fed up with the mask. End quote. DeLorme's hospital went from seeing roughly 20 suicide attempts per month involving patients 15 or younger, the AP reports, to more than double that 
and disturbingly more determination than ever before in the attempts. Quote, we are very surprised by the intensity of the desire to die among children who may be 12 or 13 years old, DeLorme said. We sometimes have children of nine who already want to die. It is not simply a provocation or a blackmail via suicide. It is a genuine wish to end their lives, end quote. Wow. Now, some of us said things like this. We didn't have the data, as scientists would like to say, but we did have common sense to know that the things that Fauci and the CDC and the WHO and all of this that, that's being foisted on the public is going to have huge ramifications. And uh, this is why, this is what I call scienceism. Scienceism. It's not science. It's scienceism. It's it's the worship of science. It's the elevate. If Fauci says it, it has to rule over all other things and all other domains. That's not the way public policy is supposed to work. Florida shows the way, by the way, and that is yes, one piece of the decision pie for a uh, policymaker is quote what the science says. But what weight he gives that uh, has to be uh, somehow weighed against uh, all the other considerations of public policy. What about our economy? What about people going to work? What about people being able to put uh, food on the table? What about just the esteem of having a job? What about the socialization of kids in school? What about, I mean, on down the line, there's a whole lot of factors. It's not just one factor. And some of us have tried to say this over time. We've been beat over the head. Even those of us who warned like I did before anybody else was warning about the COVID crisis. I was warning about it way back in the day, right? But, uh, but we also said, look, we can't just be ruled uh, by, uh, by this one thing. We've got to have a broader view of what's best for our society. Now, look, if this was a pandemic that was wiping out, you know, a third of the population, right? A tenth of the population, a fifth of the population, right? Then we would be, right? Yeah, let's, let's, but the fact of the matter is, uh, at, at this point, we don't have any, any more dead than we had uh, a, a year ago or two years ago. It's in the same ballpark. Uh, as uh, so, anyway, uh, you, I don't want to get off on a rant on all that, but the, the deal is, is that it's taking a terrible toll, a terrible toll. Now, uh, I'm going to just mention one other thing. We're probably going to end up at 30 minutes, but it's hey, it's the welcome back. It's the welcome back version of of VU VU 85. Uh, I'm going to skip the section on the retraction. I'm just going to mention the recall. Now, look, my Honda Accord, it got recalled. It got recalled, some kind of computer thing, and uh, they uh, repaired a problem that I didn't know I had. So uh, as a result of their repair, my digital dashboard doesn't work properly. Uh, anyway, that's not the recall I'm talking about. I'm talking about the recall, the kind of recall that historically has been a prelude to war. Did you see this? Uh, I bring you this from uh, uh, Al Jazeera. <laughs> it was reported everywhere, but I, I'm going to bring you this from Al Jazeera. 
Washington, Moscow, Washington ties in crisis. Russia recalls U.S. envoy. Russia summons ambassador for talks in Moscow after President Biden called his counterpart in the Kremlin a killer. Russia on Wednesday said it would recall its ambassador to the United States for consultations, the latest sign of growing tensions between Moscow and Russia. Uh, the move to bring home uh, Anatoly Anatov to Moscow was announced shortly after U.S. President Biden accused his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin of being a killer and warned he would, quote, pay a price for alleged election meddling. All right. And uh, so, look, guys, uh, and there, there are some big quotes in here by, by Russia about uh, it, it says, um, it says this, Russian foreign ministry said the main thing for us is to determine the ways in which the difficult Russian-American relations that Washington has led into a dead end in recent years could be rectified. We are interested in preventing their irreversible degradation if the Americans recognize the risks involved, end quote. All right, kind of diplomatic language for things are getting right over to the edge. All right, so folks, um, look, there are reasons for calling an recalling an ambassador. Sometimes it's, it's a political statement. It's, it's what's the loudest political statement you can make, uh, bring your ambassador home. Uh, whatever the reason, it always suggests that tensions are really high and so high as to threaten diplomatic relations. And so it's uh, sometimes been a prelude to war. So uh, things, uh, you know, Biden, who is supposed to be, you know, Trump, right, who is, uh, couldn't get along with anybody. Uh, Biden, I mean, here we are in a crisis now with a nuclear power. Uh, so uh, what can I say? By the way, speaking of removing the ambassador, you know, believers in Jesus are called ambassadors for Christ ambassadors for Christ. True believers on this earth were ambassadors for the king. And uh, just before he unleashes a war, his wrath on this earth, leading to the battle of Armageddon, guess what he does? He removes his ambassadors. He removes his ambassadors. It's called the rapture of the church. All right, folks. Uh, God bless you guys. Uh, I think this is a world record. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the welcome back issue of VU. God bless you guys. Uh, who knows? We might, have, we might have one out tomorrow as well. Thank you so much for listening, for sharing, for liking, all those things.